This podcast is about the people, because we and you are the change in the world. And our world has always been about different people coming together as one. Uniting is a continual process. It takes effort, it takes discussion, and yes, it takes disagreement. But we know you're in for the challenge. So get ready to join us in Uniting. I get kind of sick and tired of it. True, if you weren't president screwing things up, you were a senator and you're the worst president America has ever had. Getting richer and richer. order. Welcome to We The People Uniting! So good to have you here. My name is Elise Mackley, and I'll be joined later by my co-hosts and friends Kennedy Gifford and Sage McGee. But for our first episode, we thought we would do something a little special. Normally, episodes will be interviews of thought experts, everyday people and their individual relationships with politics, or discussions between two or more people on policy issues relevant to you today. In interviews, I like to start by asking people to tell me about themselves so that you guys feel like you know them before we jump into something super polarizing like politics. I figure it's only fair to turn the tables and ask myself the same question. So let me tell you about me. I'm currently a student at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, and I love it. Shout out to the BYU Sound Studios real fast. I'm in my second year here, although I did take a year and a half to serve a mission for Christ through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's why in a few minutes you'll hear my first guest, Professor Lim, mention Christ a couple times. But don't worry, we try to keep our polarizing dinner discussion topics to a minimum, and we'll say religion for the next podcast. Ha ha ha. (laughs) If there is a next podcast. I did not start out as an expert podcaster, nor am I a pro when it comes to politics. Really, I'm just a person like you, with an extra passion for uniting people with differences. Maybe that's because I was raised in Seattle, a place where I reconciled the liberal influences I felt from friends and community members with the conservative influences I got from family and church. Maybe it's because my sister joined our family through adoption, allowing us a beautifully unique first-hand opportunity to integrate with someone not of our ethnicity. Or you know what? Maybe it's just because I like making friends. And that goes down a lot better when you can communicate and come together. We'll see. Now you know a little bit more about me. But why make this podcast? Why now? And what are you going to learn from it? My why, and maybe your why, began in the summer of 2020. A lot was going on for people all over the world that summer. In the U.S., there was strife over racial injustice, and tension remained high as that led into a fall of presidential elections. It was that fall, in a civic engagement class, that I was introduced to Arthur Brooks. Not in person, although maybe he'll guest star on this podcast one day. But no, I came to know him through his book, Love Your Enemies. You can guess why I might like that title. In his book, he brought to life feelings and thoughts that I had known all along but never been able to articulate, such as being respectful even when it's hard, because it's one thing to tell people to check themselves, but it's a whole other thing to show them by example how they should treat you. 
or like getting out of your bubble and finding places, friendships, and viewpoints that you wouldn't normally be around. As Brooks would say, contempt is frankly much harder to express when we see one another as fellow human beings, as us. He's got that right. What I learned that fall semester confirmed what I had seen in the real world. We, the people of the United States, could be a little more united. And that's what this podcast is for. To share with you and learn alongside with you principles that will help us have more constructive political conversations. We'll begin this episode by taking a deeper dive into Arthur Brooks' advice, but episodes will be centered on all sorts of themes that will help you feel more confident having difficult conversations with people different from you. In short, our hope is that the people of the United States of America can do a little more uniting. How did you first find out about Love Your Enemies? Well, it actually started back in 2009 when I went to a forum given by Arthur Brooks. He was talking about people that give and volunteering and how he found it really interesting that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were typically at the top of all those lists. So he wanted to just learn a little bit more and that kind of made his way, he kind of made his way to BYU and so I went to that forum. I thought it was his line of research was fascinating. And then some of the things that he was talking about um, at that time were just neat. So I kind of could just kept my eye on him. And I watched a couple podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever. Um, and then back in, in 2017, I had the chance to take my family and do and be over the Washington seminar program for the college. And every Friday we bring in uh, people, senators, you know, people in the community. And I was able to bring in people from both sides for, for, that worked with Barack Obama, that worked with Trump, that worked with Hillary Clinton. And the thing that was striking to me and each of them mentioned was how there were so many good people on both sides um, of the, the table, you know, Republican and Democrat. And I think it was really eye-opening for our students. I had 43 at the time. Uh, to see kind of those good, wonderful people that may have had different ide ideologies, but wanted to do good. And they might choose to do it a different way, but they still had good hearts and good intentions. So that was really uh, eye-opening as well. And then kind of the, what happened as far as the book is, you know, I, I saw the summer before, maybe spring of 2019, that his book came out, Love Your Enemies came out. And obviously, it's, a, it's been a very challenging time in our political realm. And so when I saw that header, I saw it was Arthur Brooks. I, uh, I got an audio version of it and listened to it, loved it, and said, this would be really helpful for my students. So back in 2019, when I taught my policy class, I made it a required text. And then this year, it's been a required text as well. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from students? Um, are there some that have come up to you and said they loved it or parts they've been able to incorporate in their lives? Well, and that's been interesting because Arthur Brooks is a little more conservative. You know, he identifies as a Republican, more conservative. But then he says, you know, I grew up in Seattle. I have wonderful friends that are, have very different views. 
And so I was wondering how the students would react. Um, you know, typically at BYU, we often get a little more conservative type student. And, but as I did my midterm evaluation, both last year and this year, uh, what was the best, what's been the best part of the class? Multiple, multiple people have said that Arthur Brooks book. And so the feedback I've gotten was it's a game changer as far as it helps them. And I would agree with this. It helped me to kind of reframe some of the thoughts that we were having as far as being negative in political discourse. And then to be a little more positive, you know, he talks about contempt as a major theme, but not only not having contempt for others, but trying to see the good that they're, they're trying to do with the knowledge that they have. And, you know, we all have our own stereotypes, our own biases, and trying to work within that for the better good is something that really resonates from his book. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible that it got such good reviews on the midterms. <laughs> so in your personal life, how would you say that you've been influenced by Brooks' book? And maybe if you have a personal story of when you noticed you were able to use um, the print. Well, I kind of made just about four notes that kind of stuck out to me. There's a lot more uh, that as I was reading it that I had marked, but I was just looking through the book again and um, just remembered some of the points that it really stuck out to me. So the first was kind of stand up for somebody that's different. I really liked how he said we need to go out of our way and, and not only respect people that are different, but stand up for their beliefs. And, you know, I think we, in one of our articles of faith, you know, we have we uh, uh, an article of faith around that, and then he gives good examples. And so that really stuck out to me of not only just respecting difference, but standing up for people that have a different view. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, one of the themes is refusing to play the contempt game and trying not to, to well, trying to catch ourselves. And I'll give you an example of that. When we start to have contempt for somebody else, um, to listen to other views and go out of our way to listen to other views, whether that's, you know, people listening to Fox um, or going to CSNBC or NPR or, you know, in our papers, you know, we have kind of the Deseret News or Salt Lake Tribune that oftentimes has a different take on things. And so making sure that we get multiple sources of information. And I've been a, a beneficiary even recently with that on immigration when I heard, you know, the, a news outlet saying, yeah, we have 900 kids that have been separated from their families. And I was going, oh, that's so horrible. But then I heard one of the, uh, one of, a person on the Trump administration say, let me give you some background behind that. They are with family. Their parents, you know, are involved. They're just not living directly with their parents. And I go, okay, I still, I'm not the biggest fan of the immigration policy, but I have a better understanding now instead of just being all mad that these kids have been separated. I have a, a fuller picture that I can make a more informed decision. And then the last thing that uh, he, he said that stuck out to me is we need to disagree, disagree better. It's not that we shouldn't have difficult discussions. Uh, we need to have those, but we can have those in respectful ways. And so that those were kind of four parts that stuck out to me. Um, as far as personal, there uh, there's a couple stories. One, a few weeks ago, uh, my family, my kids, my youngest is a sophomore and my oldest just graduated from BYU. And we have quite often to political discussions at the dinner table. And we have different views that we all have. And 
I remember as I was talking about a particular candidate, uh, I started to become a little negative in my saying of what I thought about that candidate. And after dinner, I remember getting just a little prompting saying, you know what, you can do better than that. And I can be a better person to model how we can have differences um, without making it personal of people um, and try to stick to the ideas that they might have and that I might just disagree with and then disagree with and then trying to give a better idea versus just saying that person's an idiot. And sometimes we got, we, we, and in this case, me need to do a better job of not making things personal, but saying, here's what I like about what's happening and here's what I don't. And then, and to try and not bring in that, not allow us to bring in that contempt. And so since that time, I've tried to do better as a dad and as a husband at trying to talk when we have these discussions around the table to just make them less contemptuous and less personal for whoever I might be disagreeing, just disagreeing with. The second one is uh, I ended up doing a mail-in ballot. So I, I sent in my voting ballot a couple of, well, maybe even a month ago. And in my policy class, I mentioned to the students that I'd be happy to have a discussion about some of the challenges they're having as far as the voting process. And so I ended class a little bit early and I said, some of you I'm sure are sick and tired of this discussion. You don't have to stay if you don't want but I'd be happy to share with you my thought process, how I came about, how I voted, and I'd love to hear your thought process as well. So we had about 15 students that stayed after. And what I did is I went through each of the candidate, you know, here's the pros for what I think Trump might bring to the table. Here's the cons, here's the pros for Biden, here's the cons. And kind of just took students through my thought process as far as how I came to a conclusion and who I voted for. Um, and then I asked a number of students to share their story. And, you know, some were saying I had my ballot and I was in tears trying to, you know, I saw it as two people, the lesser of two evils. And then somebody else said, well, I choose to see, to see it as I'm looking for the one I think can do the most good out of the two. And I thought that was a better way to say it. Um, and even I had said it uh, at one time, the lesser of two evils as well, and said, okay, that's probably a better way. It's a cup half full versus cup half empty example. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I attribute a lot of that to, to Arthur Brooks trying to challenge me to be better in this political discussion, ideology, thought process. Wow. Thank you. Those were excellent examples. I appreciate that you shared an example from your family and then how you were transparent with your students. I think people can learn from that because the family is where we have a lot of our political discussions and then our workplace or, you know, our peers, or I think that's another venue for sure. Yeah. I'll give you one last example. In, in my midterm uh, evaluation, I had one student that said they felt like I was biased and I was kind of pushing my bias on them or on the students. And you know, I, I took a step back because I've really tried to model being a, a good, you know, trying to say, if you're going to do this, that's fine. If you vote for Trump, fine. If you vote for Biden, fine. If you decide to go a different route, that's fine. But it caused me to kind of say, I know I do have biases, as we all do. And what can I do to do a better job of checking them? And so while I, that's been a goal of mine to not do it from the beginning, to have that student kind of say, I still feel you know, that there are some biases coming through. It's been good for me to kind of take another step back and to go, what can I do 
what did I do? What could I do better? And it's been, it's been helpful feedback for me to, to kind of reevaluate my, myself even another level to another level or at another instance to um, what I thought I was doing pretty good at it. I, I can do even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good reminder that these principles apply to all of us, <laughs> no matter how good we think we are. But I appreciate that you said that because I think it's easy to notice contempt in other people and how they respond to politics, but it's very important that we recognize how we're also falling into that trap. I'm still learning as well. That's the thing, you know, the students say, oh, you must have it together as a professor. And I said, I'm still <laughs> learning all this as well. I have a, a few more years of experience, but by no means am I perfect at this. And we're all learning together. Right. Yeah. We all learn from each other. That's kind of Arthur Brooks' point. Yep. That was fabulous. Maybe, is there anything else you would want to leave to your students or other listeners on why you feel that this is so important right now? Well, we're in just such a contentious uh, and divisive society. I think to the point that, you know, I made a little bit earlier about the DC, I, I think once I can take a step back, I can find so much good in people that have differences. And I can find a lot more in common that I have in common with them. And oftentimes, if I'm just going to call somebody a name, that just ends the discussion. Or if somebody wants me to change, if they call me a name, it's probably not going to change. As Arthur Brooks said, that made made him dig in even more um, when they attacked either him or his family. And so I think it's just a good lesson to start with compassion, start with mercy, start with, you know, identifying what we have in common. And again, it doesn't mean we can't disagree and we can't have a difficult conversation, but boy, if we start with, you know, I'm going to respect you as a person, I'm going to respect you as a member of humanity and for my, our faith as a daughter or son of heavenly father or heavenly parents, I think that mentality changes the way we view folks and these conversations that we have if we're willing to take a step back and just look at the humanity of each other. I think that's exactly what Love Your Enemies is all about because reducing contempt is humanizing the other person. Earlier when you were talking about the three or the takeaways that you got from this book, you mentioned listening to other people's views and getting things from multiple sources. How does that relate to what you just shared with us about having respect for others? Well, and I'm not sure this is exclusively to the millennials or the younger generation, but we are, it is so the misinformation, the false, uh, you know, facts that people are saying, I think it is just so incumbent on all of us um, to make sure that we're checking and rechecking sources. Because if we get into this, and we all fall prey to it to a certain degree because we all have preferences as far as, you know, I'm an NPR person. So I'm just going to, that's my morning routine or I'm a K, I listen to KSL. My wife listens to KSL. Um, and I think it's just so important that when we hear something that we kind of go, that's, that sounds really bad that we just kind of do, okay, let me just take a step back. Let me see if there's other points of view on that. And so for my children, I just say, you know, when you hear something that kind of grabs your attention, you go, that doesn't seem right. Double check it. And it could be that that's the exact, you know, that's what happened. But if you're double, triple checking with multiple sources, 
and it's becoming harder to find those uh, you know, objective sources um, that we can get a much better picture and we can be more informed. And so for me, that's one of the biggest advices I give to my, my students is, you know, and we're seeing this even within the church, you know, we like to sometimes think of our prophet as infallible or Moses being infallible or Joseph Smith. And yet Heavenly Father has to work with people in their humanity, in their mortality, in their weakness. And we all have weakness. And, you know, if the Lord was going to use that as the barometer, he'd have one person he could use, and that's Jesus Christ. And yet he lets us use our agency. He lets us grow. He lets us make mistakes. And as we do that, um, and then we kind of realize, okay, I want to do a little bit better, just like the experience I had with my kids, kind of going, you know what, I need to kind of do better in that area. And it causes me to want to be a better dad, a better father, a better community member. And I'm just thankful that Heavenly Father gives us those chances to learn some of these lessons, but they're sometimes really hard to learn. Wow. I think that is very humble of you to turn that around on yourself and use it as motivation to be better. I think we can let people's weaknesses frustrate us, but instead you use it as a reminder that you're just like them and you have weaknesses and we need to have patience with ourselves and others because of that. What is one final note you would leave us on? For me, I just, I just love when people um, emphasize the good. Now, obviously there are things that we have to talk about that are not good, but boy, there's just so much good in what people are trying to do. And for me, that grabs my attention. I was listening to a podcast, uh, Finding Fred, um, about uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and just what a wonderful example he was in trying to just take people as they are and saying, where you're at, I love. And that doesn't mean we're all perfect. Um, I have, you know, my own biases of which he did, but you know, I love you just the way you are is one of his sayings. And I think that trying to just bring out the good in people is such a pro profound, you know, God-like quality that our Heavenly Father and our Savior do to us all the time. And that's just an amazing character of Christ that I'm trying to do better at. Thank you so much. As the most famous person to invite us to love our enemies, I thought it pretty fitting that Professor Lim ended by talking about Christ. But loving our enemies, and our friends for that matter, sometimes takes a lot of skills, more than we feel we have under our belt. So stick around for some more tips and tricks on how to be a real United States of American. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of We the People United. Remember to be the change and keep uniting. Peace, peace out, out people. people. All right, peace out.